us in worship. We so much appreciate that today very, very much. Well, welcome to ZPC again. It's uh, where I'm glad to be with you today and uh, glad for those of you joining us on live stream as well. Thanks for being here as well. So before we jump right into the sermon, we're going to celebrate our graduates today. So some of the students are graduating actually today from Zinesville High School, and there's other graduates from other high schools as well. We know that you, the parents and grandparents, you've worked hard to support and equip these students. I was told it was for roughly 936 weeks of their lives, so that's pretty cool. And thank you also for letting ZPC, and this comes from the Next Gen, from Ely and all those in Next Gen, for us to be a part of their lives. And graduates, we're very proud of you, and we're excited to see who you will become and what you will do. So we have pictures of a lot of our graduates, and then after we look at the pictures, I'm going to ask, I see some graduates are here, I'll ask them to stand. So let's check out these pictures. So these are all ZPC's graduates as that we know of, Kate Bennell, Caroline Etter, Caleb Everson, and Erica Grusser. And then we also have Luke Barnes, Dylan Blake, Josh Neiman, Sam Sautbein, and Emily Howell, Aiden Hatcher, Carter Inskeep, Lindy King, and Bennett McAfee, Evan Jensen, Claire Hoekstetler, Brian Ray, and Brady Forler. And then we didn't get pictures for, but we want to celebrate also Sophie Batts, Nicholas Reichart, Owen Redinger, Lily Robinson, Zach Schwarz, Maggie Seifert, Colton Seiler, and Jacob Walter. And so also, if you're one of our graduates, I know some of you are here, please stand right now, if you would, over there and there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. We're excited for you, and especially for those of you graduating later today. We hope you have a great time today. As I mentioned last week, and as Jim mentioned, though, there weren't as many of us here last week. I wanted to let you know Jerry is completing his sabbatical. So last summer he had a sabbatical. He wasn't able to complete uh, the trip to Germany because of the pandemic. So he is in Germany right now. I heard he arrived safely last Sunday, so that's good. So today and in the month of June and right at the 1st of July, we'll have some different preachers and different topics. So today we're following up on last week's message in the Sermon on the Mount. And last week we were at the first part of Matthew 6. And today we're in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. This is God's Word. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet our heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who seek for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations, Lord, of all of our hearts on this Sunday morning, this Pentecost Sunday, be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Well, I love looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and I was telling a few people before the sermon, it's great that Jesus touches on subjects which affect us as well. You think about 2,000 years ago, there must have been some of the disciples who worried because Jesus addressed it here. We, ta- we talked last week about the idea of what it looks like, the kingdom coming to earth as it is in heaven in the first part of Matthew 6. And we see in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus addressed all different kinds of ideas and things. So the first song we sang talked about, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's in Matthew 5. Jesus teaches about things like how to pray, humility, compassion, not speaking in anger and not judging. That's in Matthew 7. But today, at the end of Matthew 6, he touches on worry And what is the answer or the antidote to worry? Well, on the first Wednesday of the month, we have a brief staff worship time, and so that was this past Wednesday, and we have a guest speaker come in and give like a a devotional. And this month, we had one of our elders come, and she chose to talk on worry from hearing about the Sermon on the Mount last week. And she had asked a few friends, am I a worrier? And for the most part, they told her no. Uh, She said, one of her friends said, people who make a plan and follow it are accused sometimes of worry. I thought that was uh, interesting, and there's probably some truth in that. I had read this week about worry that in planning and thinking about the future. Planning for tomorrow is time well spent, but worrying about tomorrow can be time wasted. Planning for tomorrow is time well spent. Worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. So my friend had asked some of her friends about if she was a worrier, and I sent a text message to a few people, and I said, "What are you?" I said, "I know I'm a worrier. What are some things you see me worry about?" And I got just a couple of responses. I was glad I didn't get too many, actually. <laughs> so here's what they said: Money. Yes, I worry about money. Paying for college and college debt. Yes, they know me. That I'm guilty as charged. Another person said, "Well, we we uh, we worry about what other people think of us." I think that was good as well. And I think this idea of worry is not just about like, you know, clothes and food and what we will eat and drink, as Jesus said here. I think it's broader than that, and I think Jesus means it to be broader than that when he talks about the antidote, which is to seek God first, to put God first. And so worry can get into bigger issues, really. How do we view ourselves? What are our values? What's our trust in God, and what does the future hold? I think worry can apply to all of those things. But Jesus here in Matthew 6 does talk about worrying about what we will eat or what we will drink or even about money in general. You see, in in Matthew 6, right before this passage, and I didn't want to make the passage too, too long this morning, Jesus says, you've probably read this before, "Don't don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. He says, where you put your money, your heart will be also. Again, 
great for today, great for 2,000 years ago, great for, for today as well. He goes on to say, you, you can't serve both God and money. You must choose one. And even with talking about worrying about food and clothes, he says life, life is more important than food, and the body is more important than clothes. He really says, though, other people, including he mentions Gentiles, people who aren't believers, run after these things. But Jesus says you can't add a single hour to your life by worry. He says, uh, instead of adding a single uh, hour to your life, um, don't do that. And we all value time, so that's something that we don't want to do, to worry to try to add more time. Jesus goes on to make the comparison then for about us. Instead of worrying about what we're going to eat or drink or wear, the birds and the flowers. And he says, well, what about the birds? You know, they, they go about and I take care of them. I feed them, although they... They do have to do their thing and find their food, maybe a a worm in the morning. He provides earth and water for the flowers. He said they don't have to get dressed up to look beautiful. They just do. They fulfill who they are. And Jesus said if God cares so much about the birds and the flowers, he cares even more about you. You are valuable to him. One of the songs we sang is that I am a child of God. We shouldn't be slaves to fear. Jesus says here, you are valuable. You're even more valuable than the birds and the flowers. Now, Jesus doesn't say, he doesn't say this, don't don't care about food at all. Don't care about work at all. Don't care about clothes at all. Because we need to eat. We need clothes and shelter. We need to be able to work to earn money. But how, in a sense, then, can we submit these things to God? That's what it's about. He said, instead of chasing after them, running after the good life, we instead should seek God first. And not only God first, but God's kingdom first. Do we see the things of this world as treasure Or do we see the things of God as treasure? In fact, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The kingdom, again, we talked a little bit about that last week. The kingdom is things, our our actions and how uh, the things of God here in the world. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are merciful and peacemakers. And we seek his righteousness in our behaviors says, keeping away from speaking in anger, being compassionate, being humble, praying, giving things away, uh, giving our money away instead of holding on too tight to the things of this world. I was thinking about myself and my family and for us here at at ZPC this week and uh, how this might apply to us and what are things of the kingdom of God. And I thought these things are kingdom of the God, our kingdom of of God things as well. And that my family, that when we think about it, we don't always talk about it in these terms, but we do try to think about what are the things of God that we want to be involved in. And I know things of God that you're involved in. And I know that relationships matter to us. Both my wife Claire and I are in home groups. She's in a ladies' home group that meets on Fridays, and I'm in a men's home group that meets on Tuesday mornings. Those relationships are important to us. We value family. Family is really important to us. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins. 
Friendships matter. Um, friends matter a lot. These are things of God. Church involvement matters, that you're here on a Sunday morning and knowing many of you, seeing how you're involved in other ways and maybe not just for an hour on Sunday. This matters. These are part of the things of the kingdom of God. Mission trips matter, giving to things that help other people and tell other people about God. For me and my family, like going to Mexico several years before the pandemic, hoping to go back next year in 2023. Why do these things matter? They matter because um, Jesus tells us that these things matter. The things of the kingdom matter. But I think more than that, we mentioned this last week, that living a more kingdom life feels good and right. And when we do things of the kingdom, we do things where friendships matter and, and serving somewhere matters and giving of ourselves or giving of our resources matter. They feel good and right, and we can be aligned more with who God is and what God wants when we do the things of the kingdom. So I've mentioned in this book before, it's probably one of my favorite books of the last two years. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, and Jerry had mentioned it last summer as well, uh, something to read perhaps while he was on sabbatical. And so in this book, I was looking at it again this week, John Mark Comer touches on worry in one of the chapters there, and he, he relates it to this passage in Matthew 6 about money. He says you can only serve one. You can't serve both God and money, and how do we not worry about things? And in the book, in the middle of that passage, Comer says, Jesus says, don't worry about money, and then he goes on to say, but that's exactly what I worry about. I worry about money. And I, I mentioned that I do too, and people that know me said, I worry about paying for college and racking up debt for college. I worry about those things. Comer says, well, what about what's going in this, on in the stock market, our retirement plans, Social Security, where we live, what's our house like, what will life be like for me and my family 10 years from now or 20 years from now? But last week, we also talked not only about worrying about the things of earth, but about the things about the kingdom of heaven. Again, some of these things that are the kingdom of heaven, compassion, sharing, giving to others, turning the other cheek. These are things that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5 through 7. Comer says that that is the gospel of Jesus. But Comer also says there's another gospel in his book, he talks about the gospel of America. And here he says, what is the gospel of America? Is that the more you have, this is the gospel kind of consumerism, the more you have, the happier you will be. And these are, this is kind of the gospel maybe of advertisers, people that advertise to us. If you have the right brand of clothes or if you have a new car and you're driving that new car along a highway along the ocean, you will be happier if you have those things. He goes on to say, but what if Jesus is right, that more doesn't bring happiness? More money, more things might mean working more years to pay for it, more debt, maybe more time fixing things, updating those really nice things that I have, which might mean less free time to do some other things. And what about Jesus? Jesus totally didn't give up everything that he mentions here. 
Jesus did enjoy life. We can read in the gospel that Jesus went to dinner parties. He went to dinner parties at people's houses like we go to. I'm sure he enjoyed himself there. He went to a wedding, and it was his first miracle where he turned water into wine. And so Jesus enjoyed life. He enjoyed his friendships with his disciples. He enjoyed helping others. So the answer really is in um, the end of this passage where Jesus says the antidote to worry is to seek God first, to focus on God first. John Mark Comer talks about simplification, about simplifying your life, living a more simple life, and that sometimes one of the antidotes to worry about money and things and clothes and cars and things like that is to choose to live more simply. Dallas Willard is a famous Christian author, and he said, being a disciple costs something, that you have to give up some things to be a disciple. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a famous book called The Cost of Discipleship. And so we know sometimes when we're disciples of Jesus, we are called to give up something in order to follow Jesus. So there is a cost to following Jesus. But uh, Comer says, and others say, that not following Jesus can cost us even more. If you think about it, if we follow Jesus, we might have more joy, more peace, uh, more of a sense of purpose in our lives. We have that spiritual connection to Jesus, but not following Jesus might cost us those things. So what is the antidote to worry about, worrying about life and the things of this world? Well, Jesus says the antidote is to seek God first, really to seek God's kingdom first. And I've, one of the things I've learned is that um, worry can trigger other things. When, uh, and I, I mentioned a couple of months ago that one of the things that I've done over the last couple of years is to be involved in some therapeutic counseling. And actually, I'm doing some of that right now. Now, it's a little weird still with the pandemic because I'm actually doing that. It's like a Zoom call where I meet with a counselor online. But one of the things I've, I've talked about is that I'm a worrier. And one of the follow-up questions to that is what does worrying make us afraid of? So sometimes a, a counselor might ask the question, what are you afraid of? What is, this, what is the fear that it brings up? And so we might think about when we worry about things, are we afraid of things like failure or rejection? Are we afraid of things in the future that are unknown? And naming that fear and then meeting the fear head on can help us to not worry so much. It can be one of the antidotes of worry. So we seek first the kingdom of God, and then Jesus doesn't just stop there. He says, all these other things will be added to your life. He said all these other things, contentment, the clothes and the food, like he takes care of the birds and the flowers, all these other things will be added to your life if we seek God first. So um, one of the things I mentioned that I worry about as well, and that you may, and this might be appropriate on today when we're having a, a high school graduation and celebrating graduates, and my daughter graduated about four weeks ago from college, and it was a really glorious day. It was an awesome celebration just to go to her graduation and 
and it was great fun. And, and one of the things I enjoyed is just there was like, during the ceremony, there was just spontaneous applause because everyone is so joyful at a graduation. But then, being a worrier, I will come back to talking to my kids. I have twins that are 20. My daughter's 22 and my other son is 24. And thinking about um, things that they might worry about, you know, uh, for my younger kids. Is there a right major for them in college? Or when you're 22 or 24, what are you supposed to do for the rest of your life? And I would say in my more godly moments, if they ever worry about these things, I tell them, you know what? And I think this is true. You don't have to have your life all figured out when you're 20 or 22 or 24. You've got lots and lots of time to figure that out. And then when I go back to being a worrier, I might think, wouldn't it be nice if my 22 or 24-year-old did know what they wanted to do for the rest of their life? You know, what about that job? What about that career? You know, so I continually have to fight against things like that. But I don't think worrying is something easy or small. And I, I, again, I think it's fascinating that in this most important teaching, perhaps, of Jesus in the Gospels, his longest teaching of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that Jesus chose to take a chunk of it and talk about worry, the worry of things of this, of this world. As I was doing some study this week, we can see some things that worry can do to us. This is one source I looked up. That worry can even damage our health, can damage our life. Jesus says, you know, your life is important here in this. Can cause the object of your worry to consume your thoughts. It can disrupt productivity if you spend time worrying instead of doing. Can negatively affect the way that you think about others. And it can reduce your ability to trust in God. I think this is no coincidence, but I read two small devotionals, try to each morning. I won't say I hit seven days out of seven, but I have two small devotionals. They're one page each. I really enjoy them. They're very simple. And I feel like again and again over the last couple of months that one theme that keeps coming up is trust. It says worry can reduce our ability to trust in God. And I keep getting told and again and again in these devotionals, trust in God, trust in me. I am there with you. I will walk alongside of you. I will help you take care. Cast your cares upon me. According to another source about worry, what can we do with worry? And here's seven reasons not to worry. They're going to be here up on the screens now. And so we can look at these things. They relate actually right to the verses of, of this passage in Matthew 6. Seven reasons not to be worried. In verse 25, we read about God, the creator, can be trusted with the details. God can handle the details. Worry about the future hampers your today in verse 26 and other verses. Verse 27, worry hurts more than helps. And then in verses 28 through 30, God does not forget those who depend on him. Jesus says in 31 and 32, you of little faith that worry can show a lack of faith. In verse 33, there are other challenges that worry gets in the way of. We need to seek God's kingdom first. And finally, in verse 34, it says, do not worry about tomorrow. Every day has enough worry, a, a worry for its own. So live one day at a time. 
for us as followers of Jesus, we can do things that help us uh, not to worry, to do things to seek God's kingdom first, to spend time with friends, to meet a new friend, to find a way to serve in your neighborhood or community or church, to serve here inside the church building or outside the church building, give of our time or our money for good causes. It feels right and good. And these kinds of things help us to seek God's kingdom first. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I like this, what Warren Wearsby said about this passage and about worry, and I think these things help me to remember to put God first and not to worry, and they are these three things, faith, Father and first, in 630, in Matthew 630, we have faith that God has got this. We don't have to handle it all ourselves. In verse 32, we depend on the Father. The Father cares for the birds and flowers and for us as His children. And then finally in 33 and 34, seek God first, don't worry, live one day at a time. If we have faith in the Father, if we seek Him first, He will meet our needs and we don't have to worry. And with that, let us pray. We thank you, O God, for this opportunity on this first Sunday in June to come together as your people, to read again from the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus' teaching that he taught 2,000 years ago, and he's still teaching us today. God, we thank you that today we can hear the words, do not worry, but it's not just left there. We also hear that you love your children, that you love us, you love the birds of the air and the lilies in the field. And so, God, we're called to seek you first, the things of your kingdom first. And, Lord, that when we do those things, when we live those, that way, we will have less reason to worry. So, God, we thank you again that you have given this word to us. In Christ's name, amen.